This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Dollars in Change on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And we are celebrating Cheryl today and her birthday. With my birthday song, Marianne by Leonard Cohen. Exactly. So this is Dollars in Change. Uh, You are not on the wrong station, but that is why we are playing (laughs) Leonard Cohen, because it is Cheryl's favorite artist. Um, But this is Dollars in Change, and we are having our next guest up next obviously next guest i am just <laughs> fumbling over my words all of a sudden uh but we are ready to welcome rebecca massasak who's the ceo of tech soup to the show welcome to the show rebecca well thanks for having me sorry for the fumbling there but <laughs> we will get better as we go along um no <laughs> rebecca are you joining us from the west coast too or are you on the east coast i'm in the west coast gosh oh, we got all these west morning. coasters so early in the morning thank you for joining us no thanks for having me all right, Rebecca. So TechSoup has been around for quite a while, um, but I don't know that everyone necessarily knows TechSoup, especially of our listeners. So let's start with the, the basics and, and better understand what TechSoup is and what they do. Uh, great. Uh, TechSoup is a nonprofit network, and we operate in more than 200 countries. And our mission is about being a dynamic bridge that's leveraging technology to enable connections and innovation in the aim of a more equitable planet. We, we do it by powering up social impact of uh, nonprofits, libraries, uh, NGOs, any kind of social benefit organization with technology products and services uh, like hardware and software, but also connecting them to funding and to knowledge. Mm. So um, can you give us an example of sort of how that looked like maybe at its founding and if it's changed at all or evolved over time? Well, we've definitely evolved over time, and we're still evolving. Um, we were founded as a nonprofit in San Francisco with a local focus in 1987, and our, our founder, uh, Daniel Ben Horn, was um, on the well, you know, one of the first online communities, if not the first, uh, connecting <clears throat> kind of the technology geeks with his um, friends who were social activists and, and working in the sector and, you know, having this kind of new technology that they needed to leverage for what they were doing. Uh, so we've evolved over the years. Uh, to really figure out how to scale um, the the uh, opportunity to access the technology needed and also the, the knowledge and the skills because quite often people working in the social sector do not have uh, dedicated staff or, or a lot of uh, you know specialized staff and of course technology and digital strategies are becoming uh, something that just is part of absolutely everything that goes on in the world and so it's uh, important for security as well as uh, just to manage your your database of funders and your website and, and basic things uh, to have access to those tools. Yeah, and when I left, um, I got my degree here at Warden and then went to work for a nonprofit and. I remember the challenge our CEO had, and she came out of the the for-profit sector, trying to justify getting us Blackberries, right? Because people were like, (laughs) you know, what a waste of money. and Can't that go elsewhere? And, and, you know, she had the the vision and recognition that, no, this is really a job productivity stuff. Um, And so it was an expense that she had to justify to the board, but um, finally convinced them. 
it's kind of difficult to get traditional funders to think of that as something that isn't overhead, right? Right, and right. It, yeah, it's actually necessary. And let's let's take that high-level conversation for a little bit longer because I think um, the role of technology in the nonprofit sector or civil society sector has evolved so much. And, and I think you touched on it, um, Rebecca, to talk about, yeah, it can be your CRM and how you're managing your donors or your customers or your beneficiaries, but also digital strategies and how are you actually using technology to drive your mission. So can you give us an example of something that you've seen really change, um, maybe a partner that you've worked with um, and how that's played out? Uh, yes, I can. Well, maybe a couple of quick examples. Great. Um, Love Dev, 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 Dev Mission is a, a nonprofit um, that uh, is in San Francisco and is focused on, um, in a sense, traditional workforce development. But for young people who are looking to, you know, join the the uh, workforce to, you know, for economic development, but needing to learn uh, technology skills and and even skills that are related to technology, because I think any of us who use technology realize that it's not only about understanding the tech, it's about helping people change or uh, perhaps learning how to uh, get a job in an economy where you may be getting a a gig type job versus a a full-time job. Mm. Um, And so they're having to now say, okay, we've taught people how to do some administrative work on certain kind of desktop applications, but you know now there's uh, cloud computing, and it's a whole different animal in terms of how you use it and the skills that are required, and also just the strategies of helping organizations understand how data analytics, for example, may help them. There are a lot of other kinds of skills and knowledge you need to have, so, so that's an example. And then there are quite advanced examples in the sector. Uh, there's an organization called Mission Launch, um, which I was really impressed with in the last year because they've developed an algorithm uh, to have an alternative for criminal background checks for to help people who are uh, coming, uh, you know, who are carrying a criminal record, but now uh, back in society and wanting to become entrepreneurs themselves. And there's no way for others to help them sometimes because there, there's not a good way of really uh, evaluating their backgrounds mm-hmm. uh, in such a way that would uh, help others understand the risks. And, um, and so I, I think it's just great that people are applying technology to these kinds of social issues. And, and I really appreciate both of those types of examples because, like, I'm starting to unpack. I'm getting the sense of skills-based, you right. know, like, which I wasn't thinking about when I was thinking TechSoup. But then you also mentioned hardware and software and the data and analytics piece, you know, the new algorithms. So, gosh, I mean, that's a, that's a broad mandate, Rebecca. <laughs> so how does TechSoup sort of connect those organizations to the right resources? Well, we're really a, an online and offline uh, supplemented um, resource where it, we just try to make it easier for the people who have the technology. That might be a technology corporation or it might be another nonprofit who's developed a, a purpose-built solution uh, to make it available for others. Um, and we have a marketplace uh, that reaches more than a million um, and has reached more than a million organizations to date. Um, Yikes, where they that's a huge become- number. Yeah, and people can come and just kind of find out what they're eligible for. We we validate the status of the organizations around the world, so that makes it easier for the donors to know uh, who they're serving and, and actually to tailor that to missions or size of organizations or various things that are important to them. And we don't only work with donors. We also work with uh, corporations, you know, that are, say, an Airbnb who is saying uh, we would like to help 
people connect with social impact experiences, and we need to connect to nonprofit organizations. And you know, we we have API-driven services that allow them to connect through. So this this is marketplace is meant to really make it easy for people to give and easy for people to get, but also you know to adopt and use that technology effectively. And so that service and and sort of the model that TechSoup is is employing now, is that something that you help develop in your role as CEO or is that something that you've inherited and continue to evolve? Uh, no, I definitely was part of the development of it. I've been at TechSoup for 17 years, and uh, I was hired as a person with some e-commerce background to help launch this this in its first generation. Uh, not not the of course the original organization because you know it existed as I said longer. Uh, but I think TechSoup is a pretty unique place. It's got a, a people of diverse backgrounds who were very passionate about this mission, and we are an intermediary organization, of course, but. You you know, we, we really um, get out of bed, as I like to say, for, for all the missions and all the lives that are touched by the work that we do. And sometimes it's a, it's challenging to put it all together, but that's kind of what we specialize in. And, uh, and so I've been lucky enough to be here to not only see the service um, have so much demand from around the world, but be able to grow it and grow this network of amazing nonprofit organizations uh, that are working together in collaboration to do it. And so um, how, do you, how do you fund your work? Well, our work is funded as a social enterprise and also by grants. Okay. Uh, so about 95% of our um, budget is covered by uh, the administrative fees that organizations will pay to, to gain access. We have a lot of resources that they can gain access to for no fee, uh, but it is it's commensurate with you know what they get depending upon um, you know how many things and quantity, and it's quite affordable. Um, on average, uh, in U.S. dollars, they will pay about $150 a year to get maybe. $7,000 worth of uh, technology, uh, and that is what powers most of our work, and the grants that we receive are, are usually for uh, special projects or to create something um, that doesn't exist in a, in a way that is more of a, an investment uh, in our in a future service. Um, so that's the type of thing that, you know, will be something like our Caravan Studios work where we're working on the, in a sh- safe shelter collaborative around domestic violence and specializing in a particular area. So I have so many questions, but I do want to sort of um, I want to ask you something of your professional opinion about something. So we, we talked about, you know, Cheryl's example of like the CE, the new CEO of her organization needing to sort of really get over the hump of, uh, or, you know, Convincing the board to do Blackberries. You you mentioned like how important technology is and will continue to play for nonprofits meeting their missions. Um, So my question around your opinion is like, are are we still woefully prepared as a sector uh-huh. to to take on these challenges? And you know what can you know our listeners who run nonprofits or work in nonprofits, what can they be doing to say like, this is the future and and I need to be prepared for it. Well, I think as a sector, I have to say um, it, it's very diverse uh, around the world, of course, but it, we are woefully prepared, and uh, it's not because we're uh, incompetent in any way. It's sure. because the, the the problem gets bigger in the sense that there's you know there's artificial intelligence and blockchain and lots of new technologies happening, and there's also just the the basics of human behavior. And and if you have a leadership sometime who is a little bit less uh, digitally oriented, it can be difficult for them to understand why you're asking for this crazy you know social media tool or whatever it is that you you feel you right. need to do your job. And so I I think 
think it's um, it's it's a challenge though in the in the for-profit sector as well, but it's just that um, in the nonprofit sector, you're just bound to have fewer resources uh, sure. available for it for some of the reasons we named. Uh, so, you know, we're focused a lot right now on training. Um, we have a something called TechSoup courses, and um, a lot of that is about the digital skills. Again, the, the digital skills that are for the executive directors and board members uh, as well as as the digital skills for the staff. Um, and and so, yes, I think we are woefully behind and and frankly this is really why i think TechSoup's mission is important you're listening to dollars and change and we are speaking with rebecca massasak who's the ceo of TechSoup, an organization that's really thinking through and helping nonprofits uh integrate technology and get access to technological resources so rebecca when you're thinking about um what TechSoup has to do next, right, in order to continue to strengthen the, the social sector. What's the biggest challenge you're facing and what would, you know, how are you going to overcome that? Well, the, the biggest challenge we're facing is that we just see so much need mm-hmm. and evolving opportunities, and we really want to be able to programmatically uh, add things, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the TechSoup courses, but also as technology changes, people um, consume and deliver technology differently uh, today with, with cloud services. They need different kinds of hardware, and they also need uh, to be able to migrate services, and they, they need to understand, um, uh, you know, how to find consultants that can help them or volunteers and connect with others. So we, we need to be able to offer those those kinds of things. And as I mentioned before, purpose-built solutions that are really for nonprofits. When we when we uh, do market research, you know, we find that this is what they're very much lacking and, and very much needing. Um, not that we would invent the technology, but that we might, you know, take some existing technology and, and help uh, bring a purpose-built solution um, out of it. Um, and, and so what we need to do is to uh, deliver those services, but also scale to reach more organizations. I, I mentioned we've reached, reached a million, but there are 12 million um, in the world, and there are a lot of local small organizations as well as the large household names that, that many of us are familiar with, um, but they're all really essential to you know the quality of life at the community level. Yeah, and I, th- I think your, your point about having to migrate systems is, is so important because a lot of organizations may have been on the cutting edge 12 years ago and have legacy systems for reporting and you know CRM etc pen <laughs> excuse me <laughs> that that oh. are really behind now uh, and if there's resistance to buying blackberries there's also resistance to implementing new systems right well and you know i the reason why i joked about pen is I, you know i see our colleague doing payroll and it looks like ms dos and i'm like <laughs> this cannot be the <laughs> way that is. it is you know yeah. um and, and it's funny because cheryl you you know you're quite tech savvy you're, I, I love what savvy. rebecca mentioned as digitally oriented because uh. cheryl has an app for everything <laughs> including her car um let's go back to that marketplace yeah um so you talked about a million on there. There's 12 million in the world. Um, you you also mentioned briefly, and I want to just sort of unpack it, is you talked about validating the, the nonprofits or NGOs that are on the platform. Can you talk about that process? Yes. Um, we have defined um, who is a public benefit organization in every country around the world, and that differs quite a lot. Yes. Um, and, and many uh, countries have 
uh, multiple types of organizations that are public benefit organizations. And so uh, what we do is we uh, will basically interact with the organization to exchange enough information uh, against those criteria, you know, to determine that someone is in fact in good standing and a public benefit organization. We're also gathering information on their budget size and their mission area and other factors that sometimes um, are required for them to receive a donation or to be eligible for certain offers. Okay. And so um, you said that the sort of the the demand certainly outstrips the supply right now. And I think we had one of your collaborators on the show not too long ago, svs.us. And we were talking about a direct public offering. Tell us more about that. Yes. So uh, the, I mentioned that the directions that we want to go in, in building out programming and improving our, our marketplace. Uh, and uh, the SVX relationship is there really our platform for our direct public offering, which we launched in November uh, with them. And uh, so we're looking to raise $11.5 million of capital to help us really take this to the next generation and reach more organizations and, and also deliver more impact. You know, so, and that's a pretty innovative approach around that. So was that how, – how did that um, idea and the impetus come about? Well, the, the um, idea came about from discussions um, with John Katowicz, as uh, you mentioned you had spoken to recently, um, and some others who uh, were, were just thinking about innovative ways that we may be able to engage a very broad community, much like the community that we work with every day, uh, the, the nonprofits and the individuals working at them that we serve, but also on the donor side and, and uh, other you know, individuals who are interested in, in helping with this issue. Uh, and I, I just really liked the idea of doing something that went out to that community and empowered them to um, invest in ways that they could uh, feel were meaningful and were directly about something that they care about and, and they have a, a vested interest in the success of and, and, in fact, might want to guide us to the right future as well. I'm really, I mean, I'm excited about TechSoup's mission, first of all. Right. I also really appreciate, um, you know, your willingness to venture into the, the direct public offering space, this sort of innovative finance piece. But I think it also matches what I understand of the culture of TechSoup in the way that um, you you all sit between the nonprofit and civil society sector and the, pu- the private sector, maybe even sometimes the public sector. And, you know, it requires sort of public private partnerships and different types of capital. And, you know, tech isn't cheap all the time to be be able to make those investments to meet demand, especially if you're in the the sort of social impact sector. So I just wanted to sort of share my opinion on on that. I'm really excited and appreciative of of sort of pioneers like TechSoup. Well, thank you for those comments. I, I sometimes joke that it's like a gigantic dance, that we have to get many people to do the same first step at the same time. Uh, and it Which is exhausting. It, it can be. It can be, but it's also very rewarding. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just is something that feels important and you see the effects of it and that's very energizing. But that that is exactly the space we specialize in. And so what is what's the trend that you're seeing regarding data and analytics with nonprofits? How are they how are they starting to adapt to the possibility of, of collecting more information and, and understanding both their impact and their clients a little bit better that way? 
Uh, yes, I do think they're tuned into that. I think, um, you know, pro- probably everyone is pretty aware that that would be more valuable. They may not even have been calling it data and analytics, but, you know, they, they knew that data on their beneficiaries uh, was, was helpful, right, and necessary. Uh, but the trends that we see are, in many cases, people are working with Excel, um, which we, of course, Microsoft Excel has been around a long time, and sometimes I'm amazed at how um, people talk about it around the world because it's it's like a life-changing tool and skill set for, for many people working in the sector. Uh, but there are still a lot of people who really want to know how to use it more. And when we have webinars and trainings on Excel, we, we tend to get lots of people uh, coming. But we also have new tools like Microsoft's Power BI. Um, and we have a relationship with Tableau, for example. So organizations can get more sophisticated and they are very interested in it but very often the the problems are more in the nature of how do i get the right data into my oh, application absolutely yeah yeah and i mean we we do that from a especially a research perspective here um you know we we do a lot of data collection and aggregation and and it's really fascinating from our perspective because we've done our own We've made our own mistakes, too, even with sort of the academic rigor that we hope that we're bringing. But then we also sort of look at big data sets and what is useful for um, sort of the the purposes of the organization that were that was collecting the data. Maybe they were rating a company or something like that. For us, from from a research perspective, to say, like, are you having the impact that you might be wanting to have or, you know, what questions might we be answering? The format has to be drastically different and sort of the navigation. And so data in and of themselves is just such a large conversation that I'm sure we could go down this rabbit hole a a lot longer. Well, absolutely. I'll I'll mention that, um, you know, this database of organizations that we have in itself, um, we we have built a common data model around that. And that's part of what, with this expansion, uh, you know, of our services, um, we're interested in leveraging. But we want to make it possible for anyone to build applications around that data set because there really are not a lot of data sets of of nonprofits around the world. And there's a lot that can be done to enrich it. Um, And, you know, the... the, um, Part of the problem with the sector, in a way, is that it's it's the data on their beneficiaries and and the their own information is not necessarily easily shareable with others. If you if you want to understand impact, for example, our our Irish partner Enclude has um, built an application working with uh, people recovering from addiction uh, agencies that serve them, all using a common application. So having the privacy uh, with their own beneficiaries, but having an aggregate the ability to easily share and compare that data across enterprises. And, and that is the kind of thing that the sector really needs if yeah. people want to understand impact and the people working want to understand their impact. And I think it's also really challenging because I had that same um, experience here in Philadelphia where we had the city wanting a shared data set, right, where everybody who was working with youth would enter in the information. But we also had our own proprietary information and database that we had to do, and they didn't talk to each other. So in some yeah. sense, I think that I think the city thing actually ended up dying in part because although the vision was good, the implementation burden on the part of the nonprofits was just was too huge and they were resistant. 
Yeah, and and I think sometimes you know we try to solve that problem with uh, hackathons or datathons mm-hmm. or these kind of you know momentary scoop in with a, a number of experts and and I don't mean to say those things can't be valuable, but of course things take you know constancy and over time attention and and nurturing and um, and that requires you know either the staffing or different kind of resourcing so that you're able to maybe work in a cohort with others or or figure out a way to have the, the tools that will help you with that process. Well, and Rebecca, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. If you think Wharton Social Impact or the Wharton School could be helpful in in your endeavors on that front, like would definitely welcome that conversation. It's so funny you said that because I was about to say we would like to have more collaboration with uh, the academic community because I definitely think there's a lot there that, that could be leveraged. Well, we should be talking. Yeah. This is why we love Dollars and Change, because not only do we get to share all of this great information with our listeners, we learn a lot, too. And, you know, sometimes potential collaborations come out of it as well. Well, the, the, the work you're doing is great with this kind of thing. Well, thank you. So, Rebecca, in just the last couple of minutes that we have here, um, you've sort of given us a big hint on sort of what's next for you all. But, you know, what does get you excited and get you out of bed in the morning, especially to join Dollars and Change so early <laughs> on your end, um, you know, about the future of uh, TechSoup? Well, I guess, you know, at heart, I love problem solving. And so, as you said, sometimes it can be difficult to figure out how to make this all work and, and make the economics of it work, frankly, because um, we don't get out of bed for the dollars, um, but we do get out of bed for the change, if I can say it that way. <laughs> we love uh, it. I love it. And so uh, so just the ability to um, make it easier for, for people to do the amazing work they do, that's what motivates me. And, um, and so I look forward to hopefully this direct public offering, which is off to a great start, um, you know, really engaging just about everyone because we've got a place for anyone to fit in there as an investor. And um, I'm just excited to see where that goes. And we do we have a couple more seconds. Would you, you know, where could people find more information about that if they wanted to? Well, they can find out more at uh, techsoup.org. Um, and they can also go to svx.us, uh, which is the platform for investing. So e- either way. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an awesome conversation. We've been speaking with Rebecca Massasak, the CEO of TechSoup. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.